0: And we are live. What's up, guys? Welcome to Fresh Width Podcast, man. We're here with a very special guest, Michael Francis. Let's get into it. We got a lot to talk about. Let's go. and we are back what's up guys welcome to the pressure podcast man i am super excited today's episode we're here with the legend himself michael francis uh guys we're tight for time so i'm never going to read the uh we're not going to go through the normal announcements we're going to yeah. go right ahead and introduce you to the special guest mike i know who you are i'm excited to have you here can you introduce yourself to the people for those that might not know
1: well it's great to be here myron in one of my favorite places on the planet miami so it's <laughs> great to be here thanks for having me and uh many moons ago a couple of Uh, Decades ago, I was a Capo Regime in the Colombo crime family, one of the five New York Mafia families. And uh, I was in that life for about 20, 25 years. My dad before me was the underboss of that family. Very high uh, position in that life. And um, I did quite well. Had had some success. rose from Yeah, from soldier to Capo. And uh, I was more of a racketeer than a gangster. You know, there's kind of a separation in that life between racketeers and gangsters. Racketeers are the guys that really brought the money in and Mm -hmm. supported the family. Mm. Gangsters did some of the other work, you know. Mm. And, um, you know, so it became a major target of law enforcement right away. I had probably 18 arrests. I had. Uh, seven criminal indictments, two federal racketeering indictments, one brought on by Giuliani. Sheesh. And um, went to trial five times. I beat every case, beat all five uh, cases. And then uh, eventually um, I went down on a big Rico case. I took a plea, 10 year prison sentence. I had a $15 million restitution Mm. and went off and do my time, did my time. And then decided uh, for a number of reasons we can get into that uh, i was going to try to make a break from that life mm. and something you don't normally do you know publicly walk away not enter a witness protection program one of the only
0: guys by the yeah. way
1: well very fortunate to be able to do that and uh, here i am some 20 some odd years later and i'm able to sit down and talk with you yeah, so. absolutely man um,
0: so can you take us through um your childhood and what led to you getting into that life
1: well, like I said, my dad was very, very high profile. He was kind of like the Gotti, uh, John Gotti of the uh, of his time, mm-hmm. and became a major target of law enforcement right away. So I was always around, uh, you know, law enforcement, and their tactics were very different back then than they yeah. are today. That everything's very covert. Well, back then, when my dad was under investigation, he had seven, eight different agencies surveilling him 24 hours a day, seven days a week they wow. were around us all the time. Yeah. So I, I really grew up hating the police because I love my dad. He was my hero, my idol. And, um, you know, he didn't want this life for me originally. He wanted me to go to school, be a doctor. And I was on that road till he got in a lot of trouble. He was indicted uh, three times in the state of New York, twice for grand larceny, once for murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he beat all of those cases, but then he was indicted in federal court for Masterminding a nationwide string of bank robberies. Hmm. Goes to trial, gets convicted. They sentence him to 50 years in prison. Yeah. It was the longest sentence for a bank robbery conspiracy case, I think, ever given up to that point. Yeah. 1970.
0: And this uh, is in the 60s when they indicted him for
1: that, right? In the 60s. This is before Rico was. Before Rico, yeah. yeah. Oh, if it was Rico, he'd have gotten 150 yeah. years. Yeah. But um, so he goes off to, he loses all his bills in 1970, he goes away to Leavenworth. And he was 50 years old when he went in, and for me, you know, add 50 on top of that, it's a death sentence. Right. And around the same time, Joe Colombo was organizing the Italian American Civil Rights League. We were very close to Joey, our family. My dad was his underboss, so he kind of took me under his wing. I started meeting a lot of my dad's friends. You know, Mike, what well, do you don't go to school if you don't help your father out? He's going to die in prison. And I will tell you this: you know, my did dad did obviously a lot of bad things in his life. So did I. I went to you know, jail for a crime I was guilty of. But that particular crime that he did 40 years in prison of, uh, my dad was innocent of. He was framed. He wasn't a bank robber. Well, the people
0: that testified against him were all drug addicts. All drug addicts and just bad
1: people. And I'll take that to my grave. We investigated that case. He was innocent. So I'm saying, you know, I have an obligation. I got to try to help my father get out of
0: prison. So these bank robbers got caught and they were basically saying that your dad is the one that put them up to doing it? Is that what is that what they basically it, it
1: was it was very smart. Yeah, they committed all the bank robberies. They did everything. Ooh. And they said they were at one meeting with my father where he ordered the bank robberies. Wow. That was it. Mm. They didn't even testify to giving him any money. He just ordered the bank robberies. Oh, the setup. Yeah. And believe it or not, the jury believed it. Took wow. them three or four days to, to convict them, but they believed it. And he got 50 years. And it was a setup. There's no question because we heard from witnesses afterwards how the FBI was complicit in it, and what they did and all that. But, you know, well, they, they, they had forever. a huge
0: I don't think people under, I've talked about this before on my other channel, but like they had a huge heart on for the mafia back then. Like yes. nowadays, it's all terrorism and, you know, counter espionage. But. Back then, that was their number one Absolutely. thing, was going after organized crime, namely the, the mafia. So when did your father get into the life? What what what
1: decade? Young. That? I mean, he was, uh, you know, just, just to finish it off, my dad was released from prison at the age of 100. Mm. He was the oldest inmate in the federal system. Wow. Rest in peace. At the time yeah. of his release, yeah. And he passed away at 103. Three. Um, but he got in and, like, he was a tough kid. He was born in 1916 or 17, and, you know, from the 30s on he was involved with wise guys and he got made when he was about 30 years old. So back in the forties, 30, okay. 30s or forties. Yeah. So he
0: knew Lucky Luciano, Absolutely. Lucky Luciano and all those guys. He that... knew
1: Luciano, he knew Lansky, he knew Frank Costello, wow. he knew Vito Genovese, so yep. he knew them all. Yeah. Uh,
0: the Mazaria, all those guys. All of them. Um, so he was there during, uh, what was it called? The Casta Mallory's Costa Casta Casta-Milleri, Yes. yes. Yeah. He
1: was there. He wasn't involved in it, uh, but he was there. Yeah,
0: Yeah. sure. That was one of the most violent times. And then, so... When Lucky Luciano, uh, you know, I guess prevailed after all that and ended up making the and, and just so you guys understand real fast. So I'm going to pull up a chart for you guys. so You understand what I'm talking about here, because some of you guys might be a little confused. Uh, so the hierarchy with uh, with the mafia guys, this comes from the FBI, the ops. But uh, <laughs> they, they have it here in a way that is easy to understand. Right. The New York has five main crime families and you were uh, high ranking in the Colombo. Yes. Correct? Um, and then you got obviously the 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 top, the boss. Right. And then. Yep. Beside him is, can you describe each of these positions? Or, or it's a consigliere it? to the right? Yes. Yeah. You can hit control plus on it more a little bit so it's bigger for the people to see. There you go. There you go. Yeah.
1: And a consigliere was kind of like the advisor. I mean, we've seen that position in The Godfather, even though it was fictional, because, you know, you got to be Italian in order to I was going to say, him. it was an Irish guy in the movie. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. But, uh, you know, he, he did a good job, though. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, and, and the boss, he handpicks that person to be his advisor. Mm-hmm. And really, the function of the consigliere is to be a liaison between the soldiers and the boss. You got a problem with the boss, you go see the consigliere. Mm-hmm. The problem with that, the boss picks the consigliere. If you got a problem with the the boss and tell the consigliere, you're probably going to get killed. So yeah. You don't, you don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the setup right there it doesn't work well. And uh, and then you have the underboss, who's the, normally the second in command. Yeah. And just so people understand, if the boss is eliminated or he dies or whatever, he he retires. The underboss doesn't automatically take over he doesn't mm. they're still among the men they choose who they want and it's it's so it's not an automatic position for the underboss to oh, become i didn't know that boss. okay yeah and then you have couple regimes or captains mm. and they're appointed by the boss and they're kind of the street bosses mm. and then they're given authority over the soldiers yep. and the soldier is the lowest rank after you take your oath and you're made yeah and uh, that's it
0: so um so you were you were a capo and uh <clears throat> and it took you how long did it take it took you uh, a bit of time there
1: to become a cop. it was five years okay yeah
0: so can you tell us real quick about because you were a pre-med student right yes and you decided to to leave that and uh get into the life what made you get into life and what was the trajectory there
1: well i had a a meeting with my dad in uh, leavenworth penitentiary and he was away and i said dad i'm not going to school if i don't help you out you're going to die in here you know so we Mm -hmm. need money for lawyers we got to track down these witnesses because he kept saying i'm innocent i'm innocent yeah And I knew I had to help him. So I'm not going to be able to help you go into school. You know, I got to get out and do it. And the guys influenced me when I was, you know, I was walking the line, the picket lines for the Italian American Civil Rights League. I was meeting everybody. So uh, he looked at me, he said, "Okay," because I was a headstrong kid. My mind was made up. And he said, but if you're going to be on the street, I want you on the street the right way. And uh, to him, the right way was to become a member of his life. So he proposed me for membership. Mm-hmm. at that point because you know people say well how do you become a member well you can't go up to somebody and say yeah, i want to join mm-hmm. somebody's got to propose you they got to vouch for you and uh, in my case it was my dad mm-hmm. so mm-hmm.
0: you come in what was a day in the life of um because you're an associate first right you come yes. in as an associate you didn't come in and automatically as a made guy you had to no. earn that what was the day in the life like as a as an associate well
1: here's the deal about two weeks after my dad uh, he said go home i'm going to send word downtown they'll send for you So a captain in the family picked me up and took me to see the boss at that point. And uh, his name was Tom DeBella, He's passed on now. And he said, Mike, I got a message from your father. You want to become a member of our life. Is that true? I said, yes. He said, here's the deal. From now on, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're on call to serve this family, the Colombo family. Mm -hmm. That means if your mother is sick and dying and you're at her bedside, we call you to service. You leave your mother, you come and serve us. From now on, we're number one in your life before anything and everything. And you do what you're told. And then uh, the captain turned around to me, Andrew, and he said, I'll be here tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, wear a suit. That was it. Mm -hmm. And that's your order. And every day from that point on, I'm a a recruit. And I got to do anything and everything I'm told to do.
0: So what did that range like in duties? Was it like driving people around? Was it?
1: Well, you know, I had at the same time, I was in the car business. So I always had a good car. I would buy a car, sell a car. So Mm -hmm. I always drove something nice. So I would drive into Brooklyn. And the boss would say, I like your car. We're going to use your car. You sit in the back. I'll drive. And so I would sit in the back and they would go wherever. And I'm there and I'm just there, you know, because you can't participate in most anything when you're a recruit. But you're observing everything. Yeah. You're kind of learning the ropes. Mm-hmm. And then your day is going to come when you're called upon to do things and you got to do them. You know, you can't refuse an order. So you do what you have to do.
0: Gotcha. Wow. Um, so how long did you do that before you became uh,
1: just about two years Two years yeah when i got made there was a an expression in that life that the books were closed from the 1950s to the early to mid 70s they weren't making anybody the only way they would make somebody and this was all five families agreed to this if somebody died in a family you'd be able to bring a new guy in Mm. other than that you couldn't do it but in the mid 70s they opened up the books and they said all right we can start to bring some people in so when i got made there was guys waiting 20 years to become a made wow. guy. Yeah, Wow. And then we come in, you know, a couple of us, and we go right to the top. You know, I was one of the first guys made. And uh, and that was out of respect for my dad, too, because yeah. he requested it, and that was it, and they gave him that courtesy. Uh, so that, was, uh, that happened for me in 1975. Is yeah. there jealousy in a family when that happens, when you come in? There's always jealousy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the older guys, I mean, it's just like life, you know. Uh, they resented the younger guys you know even the older guys that were made for a long time mm-hmm. if you come into that life they still feel that they have superiority over you but they don't when you come into that life you you're told we're all equal mm-hmm. the boss is even equal to a soldier he may be higher in rank but the boss is not supposed to re- disrespect a soldier either because we're all made guys and that's the status being made um, but the older guys always... I had a lot of resentment against me. I was one of the younger ones. And you, you got to deal with it. You got to learn how to deal what, with it. Was um,
0: the fact that your father was so high-ranking and you got—you were able to get made within two to three years made, made them a lot of,
1: jealous? Oh, yeah. I mean, guys were, geez, we're waiting 20 years, you know? Yeah. And they don't verbally say that to you, but you know they're thinking that. Right. As a matter of fact, one guy did say it to me recently. I'm not going to mention his name. You know who he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> so can you dis- can you tell
0: the people... Uh, what being made is and what it takes to be made and then the night that you got made yeah.
1: you know being made is is taking the oath and becoming a quote made man and so for me it was halloween night 1975 and they don't prepare you you know every day you go you don't know when it's going to happen because for security reasons they don't want anybody talking is that about the it the oath of omerta yes omerta and so for me halloween night i got the call that day and i said just be in brooklyn and and wear a suit as usual and then I knew something was up that day. Things were a little bit different than normal, huh. and uh, so that night, you know, it was six of us that took the oath. And just to describe it, it was late at night, and uh, Joe Colombo's son Anthony had a had a uh, catering hall, mm-hmm. and so we did it there. It was a secure place, and uh, we walked into the room, the six of us individually, both seated at the head of like a horseshoe configuration. Under boss to his left and right, and all the captains were alongside of them. Mm. Soldiers were not allowed at this, only captains. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, walked down the aisle, stood in front of the boss, held out my hand, took a knife, cut my finger, some blood dropped on the floor. This is a blood oath, cupped my hands. He took a picture of a saint, Catholic altar card, put it in my hands, lit it a flame. Didn't hurt, it burned quickly. It was merely symbolic. And he said, Tonight, Michael Francis, you're being born again into a new life, into Cosa Nostra violate what you know about this life betray your brothers and you will die burn in hell like the saint is burning in your hands do you mm. accept yes i do and you know when people people don't know what omerta really is they think it's uh, you're taking an oath to lie steal cheat kill it's not what it is the oath of omerta is an oath of silence yeah. you're not even supposed to admit that the life exists mm. that's the oath of course you do other things along with it, but you're not taking an oath to do that. You're taking an oath never to betray the life in any way, shape, or form. Wow. Okay.
0: So um and there's a bunch of prerequisites, right? You had to be Italian, right? You had and to your, be father. A, your father
1: had to be Italian, okay. yes.
0: Um, never had attended a police academy before. No, cannot. Yeah, you cannot so like let's say you were a cop and you decided, you know what, I want to get into this life, out. you can't get in.
1: No. And understand this, before yeah. you're made, mm-hmm. they put your name on a piece of paper. And they send it around to all five families oh. and everybody sees it. And so you have an objection about this guy. Let us know before okay. we bring him in kind of security reasons. Oh, yeah.
0: wow. So it, it actually went to the commission level for, oh, yeah. for okay. Yeah. Before a guy the got boss made.
1: and he distributed to his people. We're making this guy. You got anything to say about him? Any reason we shouldn't reference wow. points. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. And that was among all, all the five families. Yes. So, uh, what else you had Your father had to be Italian, never attended a police academy. Um, you had to have done work. Was there like a prerequisite of how much time you had to be in as an associate before getting made? No. Or?
1: No, like I said, some guys 20 years and, and me it was two years. Mm-hmm. Uh you gotta do what you're told. Yeah. That's it. So they won't let me in? <laughs> let me in. Nah, bro.
2: <laughs> Damn, bro. See, be a black me, bro. Damn.
1: Fortunately for you, you're out. Yeah,
2: yeah, you're out. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. Uh so um so also so there were a bunch of rules um back then and there this is a point of contention and i really want to bring this up because people will get mad at me when i say this drug trafficking wasn't allowed right um in your day i know guys were involved in it but can you tell us a little bit about that because uh, everyone thinks like oh no the mafia was sell drugs they were blah, blah blah but i tell them all the time you
1: weren't supposed to do it Myra, I, I get beat up every time i say this yeah. but you know here's the facts During my era in that life, drugs were not allowed. They were banned. I was told straight out the day that, uh, uh, you know, that I sat with Tom DeBella the first time, you deal with drugs, you die. Mm. We don't deal with drugs in any way, shape or form. The night I got made, same thing. Drugs are off limits. Not that we were angels and saints. It was too much heat. We didn't want to hurt kids. That's the truth. Now, People come back, oh, Michael, uh, Vito Genovese went away from drugs. I said, my era, Vito Mm. Genovese died in the early 60s. It was different then. And I'm not saying that guys weren't doing drugs, little deals here and there. But we weren't cartels. We weren't big drug dealers. Now, the Sicilians in Italy, big drug
0: dealers, big heroin dealers, Mm.
1: big drug dealers. We weren't doing it there. As a matter of fact, I try to tell people, why do you think John Gotti was in trouble with Castellano? Because his crew was dealing drugs, and they weren't supposed to. And that's when the whole thing happened with because Cas- Castellano was going to take him out. Yep. And then John acted first. So we were not allowed to deal with drugs. I never deal with drugs. I hate anything to do with
0: drugs. And just so the audience understands, Ca- uh, Paul Castellano was the boss of the Gambino, Gambino crime family. family. Yes. Gotti was a capo at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And he was dealing, John Gotti, very famous, guys. We could put a pic- pull a picture up of him real quick. Back in the 90s and early 80s, he was dealing drugs. Paul Castellano didn't like that because obviously it brings heat. And, well, let,
1: let me be clear on that because please. John, his, his family and I, his crew allegedly was dealing drugs. Okay. It wasn't John directly, okay. but his crew allegedly was – at least that's what Castellano had said. Yeah. And so they, they were going to go after him and get him. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And he had – because it was – back then, right, if I'm not mistaken, you had to have the commission sign off on killing a guy, right? Any made guy.
1: No, not true. You didn't? No. It's not true? Okay. Here's the thing. The commission – how do I uh, how do I describe it? I, it was like the United Nations. Mm-hmm. It sounded good, but it didn't have a lot of power. It really. Yeah. I mean, and a, and a commission can never tell the boss of a, his own family what to do. He had his own autonomy. Okay. Now, if they all agreed on something, like when they agreed not to make anybody, okay, they're all in agreement. But a, bo- a boss wanted to take somebody out in his family, he could do it. Now, the other way around, if somebody wanted to take a boss That's out. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yes. Yes they should get commission uh sanctioned for that because otherwise that's john got right
0: there from yeah. back in the day but uh sorry you, go ahead continue
1: yeah i mean you get in trouble for that and 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 you know john when he took castellano out i yeah. mean it wasn't looked upon well yeah the other bosses were not happy about
0: it yeah um mm-hmm. yeah they shot him right in front of his favorite steakhouse yeah. uh sparks spark there we sparks, go sparks yeah. um so <clears throat> so the so the drug dealing thing so And what was the main reasons like they didn't want to that they didn't want to do it It was was it because the drug trafficking game is just a dirty game in general people a lot of informants a lot of people turn
1: a lot of informants too much heat from the FBI and 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 honestly, they didn't want to hurt kids. Yeah, you know, a a lot of guys that I knew, unfortunately, in that life, their kids got involved in drugs. Mm -hmm. And they always talk bad about it. My kid is a junkie and and they talk bad about it. So they didn't want to put that on other kids. Mm -hmm. That's how I was told. And I believe it. I believe it. So.
0: It, you, do you have something? So
1: that? back
2: in the day when you were a federal agent, would you ever go after the someone? mafia? Yeah, the mafia. So
0: it's interesting. Like we did organized crime because after the FBI really focused on um not after 9-11, the FBI shifted its focus and went straight to terrorism. That's what they want to do. National security. So Homeland Security took on a lot of the organized crime. But by then. Uh, the mafia wasn't as prominent like you know 2003 in two thousand three as it was but in the seventies eighties like you know that's all the FBI was going after which they even back then they were supposed to focus on terrorism but they didn't they focused on the mafia that's where most of their money went that's where the racketeering laws went they they had a um like I know they had a squad assigned to each family which yes. is crazy resources that's 20 agents for one family right in an entire squad dedicated to investigating each family that had wiretaps on each family so they were dedicating a lot of resources. I mean what was the num- We were talking about the numbers before. It was two agents to each g- made guy? There
1: was 1,400 agents in uh, um, New York assigned mm-hmm. to all five families. And there was 750 made guys. So you had two agents for every made guy. Wow. That's, that's crazy, man. Crazy. Man, and crazy. now I heard they have less than 100 agents. So yeah. but I'm going to tell you my theory on that so you course, understand. Why they go after you know the mafia? Because here's the thing. We, ba- we made the biggest headlines, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't shoot back. We don't go after them. Mm-hmm. They lock us up. We we go to trial. And if we win, we win. And they made big headlines on us. Yep. Come on. You got to be on. They made big name. I, I've you talked know,
0: about it. I've said the FBI are cloud yeah, chasers a million times.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we're, the easy, we're the easiest guys to go after. I mean, right. They got to get us. But when they get us, we put our hands out here, lock us up. We'll go fight you in court. That's it.
0: Right. Um. So. At this point, and we're like in the mid 70s, you're a made guy. Now, how did your duties shift from being an associate over to being a made guy now?
1: Well, once you're a made guy, you know, everybody thinks, you know, the the joke that night after we got made, all the guys went into a banquet hall. and We had a banquet, you know, Italians eat after everything. Right. Yeah. And one of the uh, captains comes in as a joke with a brown paper bag and he says, hey, boss, should I give them their bag of money now? Because everybody thinks you're coming to that life and they're throwing money at yeah, you. Yeah. It's just the opposite. You yeah. got to be throwing money up. Yeah. you know. So the boss said, hey, don't think that you got a free ride here. You, you, got, you got to earn for us. That's what you're here for. One of the reasons anyway. Mm-hmm. So once you become made, you're your own man at that point. You report to your captain, obviously. Uh, but you're free to go out and do what you got to do, you mm-hmm. know, make money for yourself because they're not throwing it at you. Now, yeah. uh, you know, you have certain, like me, if I needed money, I was just starting out. If I went to them say, Hey, you know, I got a deal. Can I borrow some money? A point the week or whatever it is, but you got to do it on your own. So, you know, that's where guys get separated. You had the guys that were earners and figured things out. If you know how to use, if you knew how to use that life at that time in business, in business, it would benefit you greatly. Yeah. And I was fortunate. I knew how to use the life. I figured it out. And I went on to make a lot of money as a result.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. Before we talk about how you made money. What was it like being um, in the life in the 70s where it was a crazy time in the United States? You had all the craziest serial killers running around Ted Bundy's, the, Mm -hmm. you know, son of Sam, all these guys. Right. Um, And then inflation was high. Crime was rampant. The mafia was at its height. What was it like in
1: the 70s? It was great for us. Yeah. (laughs) It was easy pickings for us, really. I mean, we controlled all the unions. You know, we had connections basically right into the White House during that. We had a lot of political power at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, New York was a bad place. I got to be honest, before Giuliani took over. They called it Fear City. Yes. And it it really was. But we weren't in fear. Mm -hmm. And no serial killers came into our neighborhoods. That's for (laughs) sure. As a matter of fact, you know, the son of Sam was rampant at that time. We were looking for him. Mm. There's one thing, Myron, we were very protective of our neighborhoods. There was mm-hmm. no crime in our neighborhoods, right. none whatsoever. And uh, we were looking for him. I almost had him one night. We had a tip where he was, but we missed him, unfortunately. But we we were on the lookout for him. Wow. But it was, uh, yeah, and now. Because he was
0: doing I, shootings in the Bronx and in Brooklyn. Yes, yes, so, and Queens. Okay, it was yep. all over,
1: all over the, all the boroughs. But uh, the crazy thing now, he got life with triple, I don't know what he got. But uh, he read a copy of my book. And a guy I know is writing a book about him. It's going to come out soon. And they asked me to, to write the introduction. Oh, wow. To the book. the book, The <laughs> foreword. So I wrote it. You know? <laughs> I almost got him too. Yeah. yeah.
0: Does, does but, he know that you guys were looking for yeah, him? Yeah, yeah.
1: He, he wanted to meet me. I can't get into the prison to see him. Yeah. But he, he's converted now. He's become a man of faith and all that. So yeah. it's amazing story. But I was Gonna kill him one night. <laughs> <laughs> he got off. He, he got off. He would have deserved it though. Yeah. He did some bad things. Yeah, no, I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, because just to kind of illustrate it for the people back then, this guy was running around, guys, and he was like just shooting random people with, I think they called him the 44 killer at the time or the 45 killer. Yeah, well, the,
1: he said his dog told him to do
0: it. Yes. Yes, you yes. remember
1: that? Yeah. yeah. And, and, got, and there's
0: yeah. Been, been a bunch of speculation that, you know, and he, I think he even kind of alluded to it as well that he didn't do it himself yet. There was a bunch of people and there was yes. like a cult and all this other stuff behind yes. the scenes. But, uh, But i did not know i mean that makes sense because he was terrorizing your guys neighborhoods yes yeah we were looking for him yeah
1: we we would have found him he was he was in trouble Um, put
0: put it that way and and you know it's funny because i was born in 90 right and i was living in new york city from 90 to 99 as a kid and i remember that how dangerous new york city used to be even back then and then when before giuliani came in and really was you know making a push to clean up crime like what was it like being in new
1: york city in that era like was it just I mean, the city, you couldn't go to Times Square. Well, we could. But I mean, Times Square was, you know, the, the porno capital of, the, of yeah. the country, at least back then. It was a disgusting place, quite honestly. You didn't want to be there. Uh, but crime was rampant. Yeah, You know, we didn't have trouble with the local police. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, in, in New York with 750 guys, many of us had relatives that were mm. police guys. Yeah. Or we had neighbors that were in a police force. So we got along with them. We didn't have trouble. Our, our nemesis was the FBI. We have trouble with the locals. Mm-hmm. So you know, I had gambling operations in the city. We were paying off the cops. I mean, it was it was a good time for us mm-hmm. with respect to that. Yeah, And it was a great time. I mean, I had, you know, some good clubs back then and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Studio 54 was around. We, <laughs> we, we had a lot of fun. You know, I put it that way. When yeah. it
2: comes to networking, right, uh, for the, I guess, the families, so to speak. What was like the process of meeting people for like business, I guess, getting things done behind the scenes, you would say?
1: Well, it was technical. If you were going to meet with a, a, a mob guy from another family, mm. you had to put it on record. You had to go tell your boss, look, I want to maybe in a business deal with somebody from another crew, and we're just letting you know. Okay. The reason for that is twofold. Number one, if you don't put anything on record and you get in an argument and you have to settle it, you lose the argument. Mm. Well, you didn't tell us about it, you're lost. Oh. Don't bother me. Done. And the second thing is they wanna know what you're doing so they can get a piece. Yeah, (laughs) of course. So it goes both ways. So, you know, that was uh, like, even if I had to go to Chicago to do business, I would tell my boss, I'm going to Chicago. Should I check in with anybody? They would tell me who to check in with there. And I'd say, listen, out of courtesy, Coming here, I just want to let you know this is what I'm doing. Wow. So you know, we we had that kind of respect for one another in that regard.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And there were five crime families in New York, and then there were how many? If I'm not mistaken, was it nine nationwide? You had nine, nine, nine that
1: were actually part of the commission that that I understand, and I've heard different numbers, but you know, the most consistent number was nine. Okay, you know, in Chicago and Kansas City and Cleveland. And at Tampa at that time, so you had uh, you had nine families. Okay, and I mean, nine in the commission.
0: So New York City, Chicago, um, those was, was a strong um, presence in Vegas too, if I'm not mistaken, right? I mean,
1: no, no, no. The the Vegas guys were actually from the Midwest. Oh, originally Cleveland. Okay, and then it shifted to Chicago. Yeah, but so there was no real family in in Vegas. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, we built Vegas. I was going to say yeah. the Mafia built 100%, Las Vegas. Not only do we build it, it was better to go there when we were there. Mm-hmm. Safer. better than Yeah, not, well, not only safer, the way corporate America runs things, you know, very stringent, very tight, this and that. If you came down and you wanted a marker, eh, you got a marker. You got yeah. it. Now you got to go through a credit check and, you know, the the, the whole bit. But uh, And everybody will tell you that. Everybody that's around today that was around then, will tell you, it was so much better when the mob ran the city. Mm-hmm. We didn't hurt anybody. Come on, gamble in our place, have fun, that's it. But um, yeah, we built Vegas, no yeah. question. Started um, with the Desert Inn, and then it went, went,
0: going. So you were a huge earner for the mob uh, back yeah, in I the day. I did pretty good. Yeah, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So how'd you? So you become a made guy, and what you, st- you uh, from that point? What did you do to earn? I know you had many different.
1: Well, I had hats. both. I had legitimate and illegitimate business. I had two uh, new car agencies. I had a Mazda agency, a Chevrolet agency. I had interest in some restaurants. I had a film production company. Uh, I had a lot of stuff going on. And then on the illegal side, I had a gambling operation I had a number of bookmakers that checked in and worked with me and I I got a cut of what they did. Mm. And uh, I had money out on the street. We're all shy. Those of us that have money, we're all lending money out, you know, 1%, 2%. Usually we lend it to our own guys and then they go lend it out to make money. And uh, and so we had that going on. And then whatever you got to understand, I was kind of the guy on Long Island, parts of Brooklyn. And so when anybody had a deal, they would come to me and I would say, okay, I'll get involved with you or, or I wouldn't. And, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, mob guys sit around their social clubs and they say, okay, we're going to attack that business. We're going to go after that one, this one, that other than the unions, which we did, we made sure we had control of the union. But as far as business, the way it normally happens, somebody from inside the company would come to us with a, uh, a scheme to, to defraud their company. Mm. they came to us well we'll protect you we'll give you money if you need it we're not going to snitch on you so they came to us yeah and i can't tell you how many legitimate guys came to me with a scheme to defraud their company like, <laughs> no. know,
0: yeah so so you mentioned a bunch of things there uh bookkeeping loan sharking not
1: bookkeeping bookmaking
0: bookmaking i'm sorry <laughs> bookkeeping. i'm over here thinking of my real estate yeah bookmaking uh unions uh we'll talk about the gas thing as well can you describe what it, what uh bookmaking was exactly? People get confused about it, how it actually works. Yeah, it's
1: guys on the street taking bets illegally. Mm-hmm. Il- when I say illegally, it's against the law to do that because you're not paying taxes. Mm-hmm. So you want to place a bet, a horse race, sports, whatever. You go to the bookmaker and you say, I want to put X amount of dollars on uh, the Lakers tonight, you know, mm-hmm. to win, or whatever. And uh, so he he uh, he's taking the bets. Yeah. Now, it's illegal because you're not paying taxes. Mm-hmm. And basically, that's it. And gambling was illegal at that point. I mean, it's still illegal. If you're not doing it through the government, it's got to be regulated. Yeah. It's got to be regulated. We taught the government how to be gamblers. <laughs> you know when when uh, when off-track betting came into New York. You may you may not remember it. It's horse racing, mm. but you're able to do it outside of the track. They set up you know places, and the state ran it. Okay. And the cops came to me and said, "Oh, we're going to put you guys out of business now. You know we got uh, legal gambling here on the racetrack." I said, "Yeah, watch. Why?" Because when you came to us as a bookmaker, we gave you credit. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right, just tell us what you want. And we were very good at collecting our money. You weren't going to beat us. But you go to the state, you got to pay right then and there. Mm. What happens? 80% of the time, you're going to lose. Yeah. So when you lose, what do you do? I don't have any money. Let me go back to the bookmaker to see if I can make this up. Yeah. They increased our business. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. These wow. guys
1: who had never gambled before, now we're gambling with us. And then what do you think happens after that, Myron? They went bankrupt yeah, off-track yeah, yeah. betting. They didn't even know how to do it. I said you should have called us up. We would have ran it for you. It would have been great.
0: <laughs> oh boy. So um, so you guys, so you're making so you're doing the and you guys had influence with some of these sports right obviously you know basketball whatever you know hey we need you to score because it wasn't winning and losing it was spread right it's all about the spread it's not
1: winning and losing all about the spread
0: can you describe that a little bit as far as like i'll give you an example
1: yeah you know let's let's go to college let's go to basketball okay five guys on the court's easy right so we used to watch some of the st john's syracuse in new york we watched the players they used to come and hang out in some of the clubs we were in brooklyn queens long island the city Mm -hmm. we'd hang with them we kind of pick up one of them out. Let's say he's a guard, right? He's playing for St. John's and, uh, Hey, how you doing? You know, in the club, we treat you, we buy him a drink. Hey, we love your team. We love the way you play. You guys are great. We're big fans of yours. Yeah. So he comes, he loves that. We send a few women over to make him feel good Right. <laughs> before you know it. He's coming back every week. He wants to be around us. Right. We were fun to be around. Yeah. yeah you guys are making big money. Yeah. So now, now we kind of move on. I said, come here, sit down. I want to talk to you. I said, you were senior, right? Yeah. You know, you're a pretty good player, but you're six foot two. You're not going to the pros. You know that, right? Yeah, I know. How much money you got in your pocket? Oh, I'm broke. Yeah. Broke. Every time you play, they fill up that arena, 15,000 people. I said, you're broke? I said, I heard your girlfriend's pregnant. You know, your mother's driving this old <laughs> jalopy car. I said, why should you be broke? I said, let me educate you. Tomorrow night, you're favored to win by 10 points. Don't win by 10. Don't lose the game. we want you to win. We're fans. Don't win by 10. Win by five, win by six, win by four. Mm. I said, don't cover the spread. You do that, I take 10 grand out of my pocket. That's the number. And I push it over. He never seen that in his life. Yeah. All right? I said, put it away. Go buy your girl. I said, you do that for me 10 times. You got 100 grand. I said, who's better than you? Very hard to, to pass up. Yeah, because they're still winning. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to tell them. Hey. I said, who's going to get it? You, bought, you You know, who's going to know? Yeah. You know, forget about it. Don't worry about it. Don't tell anybody. Forget, forget about it. it. Yeah. Forget about
2: it.
1: That's a good one. When I heard that line, my wife will tell you, I was the only one in the movie that cracked up. Because it was so real. She looked at me like, what are you laughing at? I said, you don't get it. It yeah. was so real. That's what the movie Donnie Brown mistake. Everything. Forget about yeah. it. You know, what are we going to eat tonight? Forget about it. You know, forget, forget about everything. It. it. Everything. That's a good
2: offer, though. So, yeah.
0: yeah, and I mean, this is the the '80s now at this point, right? Yeah. I'm guessing. So, at ten thousand dollars in the 1980s, guys, the equivalent's about twenty k today. You put money. that in front of a college kid's face that doesn't make any money. A lot of money. That's a bunch of money back then. Yes. Um, even today, in today's by today's standards. So, so you guys were doing this, and he fixing the games and uh, making quite a bit of money off of spread. And with basketball, right? They a good player Easy. can influence it easily.
1: And listen, a referee. Yeah. We oh, yeah, got I'd a refs too. Listen to me. Oh, you got a referee, let's say Christmas time. You know, he wants to make a few extra dollars. Mm. You know, a referee, he can call a foul every time they go down a court, or he don't have to call it. Either right. way, it's up to him, right? So you know what? Favored to win by 10. The Lakers are playing whoever back then, Kobe Bryant. Hey, what do you do? Put him on a bench for an extra few minutes. Mm. That's how you manipulate wow. the spread. You know what I mean? Yeah, so instead yeah. of winning by 10, you know, they win by seven. He puts 25 grand in his pocket. Who's gonna know? So that's why golden state lost <laughs> now we know what it lost bro damn it who's uh, gonna know right <laughs> think about it. um
0: so uh hmm. so was basketball the easiest to influence i'm assuming probably because basketball players...
1: obviously tennis okay big, young guy, tennis too wow you got to get to one person yeah you know when there's a one-man sport like that you mm-hmm. know easy but basketball pretty easy because you got five guys on the court and any one of them can make a difference
0: so mm-hmm. basketball tennis Boxing. Were you guys in, in football? Boxing too?
1: big. Yeah.
0: Football as well? Football, or? yes.
1: But football's a little bit different. You know, look, I had a bunch of pros that were gambling with bookmakers that I I, I had. And you know, the pro, you do the same thing. You know, I had a bookmaker call me up. He said, Hey, so and so from one of the New York teams, he's into me for 50 grand. Should I cut him off? I said, Why would you cut him off? You're writing something on a piece of paper. It didn't cost you anything. Let him get into you for 250 grand. Wow. And then bring him to me. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Then he'd bring them to me. I sit down. Hey, you owe us a lot of money. Oh, you didn't know I was involved? Sorry, we didn't introduce ourselves. My name is so-and-so. <laughs> I said, listen, you owe us a lot of money. How are you going to pay? Well, you know what? I'm going to give you a break. I said, I love the team. I like you. I said, you don't have to pay me all at once. I said, you bring me X amount of dollars a week. I said, no, no, no. I'm going to charge you two points a week on a 250. You make sure you bring it every Monday. You play Sunday, bring it to me on Monday. Don't forget. He'll bring it because he wants to get out of the room.:
0: Yeah, yeah and he'll yeah.
1: bring it three, four, five, six weeks. What do you think he's doing? He's down the street betting with the next bookmaker to hopefully make up my debt. That's just yeah. what guys do. They' are gamblers. Mm. So finally I bring him in again. Hey, you missed your juice and you know, we got a problem, but I'll tell you, I like you so much. Here's what you're going to do. You're a quarterback, you know first three times you get the ball, put it in the hands of the other team. I don't care how you do it. You're a running back, first time you get the put it on the ground. Wow fumble and that's how you try to manipulate. Doesn't work every time, but yeah. over the course of a season, you're going to come out ahead. Wow. wow. And
0: that just goes to show like how how much power you guys had back yeah. then where you guys were influencing, you know, sports at a professional level, collegiate level. Etc. So how much was that bringing in on a weekly basis? Just the bookkeeping alone. The, well, sorry, the book bookmaking, making. excuse me. I'm <laughs> thinking of my real I'm trying to hire a bookkeeper right now for my real estate. It shows so you're a legit bookkeeper. guy,
1: Myra. You just proved yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how much were you earning from the, from the bookmaking? Oh, it was a lot of
1: money. Look, a, a smart bookmaker makes a lot of money, especially yeah. in the New York area because yeah. we have so many teams. There's so much going on. So many people. I mean, you know, hundreds of thousands a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good ones. Wow. And this is yeah. an
0: 80. So this is a lot yeah. of money. So you were also involved in uh, lending money out, yes. uh, which people know as there's terms for it's loan sharking. Loan and it sharking, the term and Shylocking. You, Shylocking. Yeah. Um, can you describe that a little bit for the people how that worked?
1: Very simple. Business guy, you know, can't go to a bank, whatever, comes to me for money. I'll give it to you 1% a week. You know, you make sure that you got the ability to pay because if you don't pay, it's a problem for you. It's not a problem for you. It's problem for you. <laughs> so, you know, you check it out. Okay, I'll give it to you. Boom. And a lot of times if you don't pay, you take the business over. Mm-hmm. You know, I acquired a Chevrolet dealership that way. I lent the guy a lot of money. Plus, he was a gambler in trouble with one of my bookmakers. And I said, look, the agency is mine. You can work for me. I said, but it's mine. I said, maybe okay. at some point in time, if things are good, I give it back to you. But right now I own it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Powerful.
0: So yeah. what was it? So how much would you typically lend out and what interest rates were you charging on people?
1: Well, it depends, you know, to my crew, guys that weren't great earners around me, I would say, here, you know, here's 50 grand, 100 grand. Put it out on the street. You pay me a point a week. You can put it out for three or four points, but do it smart. Do it with somebody that's going to pay you back, you know. Yeah. So if a guy puts it out at, at three points yeah. and he's giving me a point, he's making two grand a week. It's not bad. Right. In yeah, it's cash. Good. So, you know, I gave it to a lot of my my crew to to put out. And then again, if it was a business that I thought, you know, was was worth it, I, I would give it to them. It could have been a couple hundred grand. I mean, yeah, so whatever wh- they needed. What happens if you don't get if you don't get paid? Well, listen, you know, it is uh, they're gonna break your legs and all of that stuff. Now, guys may say that, but when a guy owes you money, you want to get paid. Yeah. So you'll you'll kind of help him along a little bit, at least I did. I said, I don't want to put him in the hospital. I want to get paid. Yeah. Now, if he's making a fool out of you and he's going here and there and his, yeah. you know, then it's a different story, you know. Mm-hmm uh but that doesn't happen very often you okay. know because and if it does then you're a fool for giving it to him because you didn't check the guy out yeah. you know mm-hmm. so um with me it, it normally worked out
0: okay so very rarely do you actually have to like get someone beat up no to pay I, I never had to do that never had to do, never had to do it
1: never had to do it one time my crew they were smart sometimes were smart they would they would borrow the money from me mm-hmm. and then they'd pay me the juice they were paying me got me even and then all of a sudden, the guy they landed to ran away or something. you oh. know what I mean? So they didn't Okay. They paid so me. Always all made the, sure
0: to pay you, even if they took an L yeah,
1: to make sure that I got all my money back. Oh, okay. So if I lent him 15 grand or whatever, 10 grand, and they're paying me a point a week, they made sure that the interest covered my principal. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the guy left town or a guy got, who knows, whatever. And because it was my crew, I let him go. Sometimes. Yeah. It was one or two guys that were smart that way. Mm. Actually, I appreciated their ingenuity. Yeah. Said, you guys are smart. You know.
0: So, um, so you're a capital. How many guys did you have working under under you at this point?
1: Well, you know, because of the the gas business that I was in, I had about 300 guys. on 300 me. guys. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Because I had the Russians that were involved with me and they had a, a sizable crew. Mm-hmm. And then I had my own crew and uh, it was a lot of guys.
0: Mm-hmm. So what was it like? Because, you know, obviously you're making all this money. You have all these people working underneath you. That must have been very stressful. What was that like, man?
1: You know, Myron, I, I, I stress, you know, I, I had to go to the doctor the other day and I had a little issue, nothing serious at all. Mm-hmm. I had an ulcer, right? Uh-huh. And she says to me, do you have a lot of stress? I said, I don't know what stress is. I've been in a certain <laughs> way my whole life. I don't yeah. know. Is it yeah. stress or wh- whatever you call it? So l- let's put it to back then. I was very on top of things. I'm, I'm a lot more lax business wise than I was then. Back then I was on top of everything. Yeah. I was 24 seven. I'm working. I'm watching. I'm doing everything between, you know, being in Brooklyn and doing what I had to do, coming out to where my businesses was. I was very active in that regard. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I'm an early riser. I'm up six o'clock, even if I'm out all night, you know, four o'clock in the morning and come home six, six thirty. I'm up mm-hmm. and I'm out early. So but I had a lot going on, so yeah. I had to pay attention, you know, otherwise I would have got hurt.
0: So we we talked about the loan sharking, the book making, um, unions. The mafia was notorious for infiltrating yeah. unions. Can you describe that and how that would go about?
1: We installed our people in the unions. So the delegates, the uh, you know, the 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 uh, we had guys at the top in the union. Mm-hmm. So we controlled it. You know, how did we use the unions? We shook down a lot of people. I had the restaurant and bartender's union. They were mine. I mean, local. I didn't have the whole union, but I had the local. I had the security guards union. They were mine. I had, I had nine nuclear power plants that we had our security guards. on. Oh. Now, listen to this. You may not know this, but you check it out. When a nuclear power plant goes down, it's not used anymore. Mm-hmm. They got to have security there for 100 years. Really? Afterwards, yes. Wow. That was the law back then. I don't know if it is now. So I had security guards around there doing nothing and collecting big money because they were there. So we controlled yeah. that union. And then we had them in the hotels and all of that. And uh, the delegate, the, the union president, was my guy. So they answered to me. And restaurant and bartenders, I said, OK, we're going to go pick that restaurant. Big Dad. They got 25 employees. Go in and tell them we're going to unionize. They don't want to unionize. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'll go in and say, listen, I heard you got a union problem. I can help you out. Well, how can you do that? I said, well, they're going to put a picket line out there. They're going to stop everything. Nobody's going to be able to come into your place. You don't want the union? No, we don't want the union. I said, all right. Uh, Every Christmas, give me, uh, figure it out. You got union. You're going to have to pay pension fund, health insurance, the whole bit. Double time when they work overtime. That's it. That's union rules. I'm going to save you all that money. Every Christmas, give me 25 grand and they're
0: out. Oh, okay, great. Mm -hmm. So you would prevent them from unionizing We're, yeah ah okay Prevented. and then then i
1: would come back and say listen there's another local i, I can't help but you know it's a different crew i can't die so here's what you got to do put the union in here only you put one how many employees you got 25 make two of them union people don't worry about the other 23 so now my union is in here nobody could ever bother you again i'm only going to make you take two guys instead of this other ones you're going to come in and make you unionize everybody oh. so now it's a union shop Mm -hmm. I saved them a lot of money and nobody else can come in there. Wow. So there's all different schemes on how you do it. Yeah. But let me tell you something. You control the union, you control the country. Yeah. The Teamsters Union, two and a half million members. What do politicians want? They want money and they want votes. Yeah. We had all the money in the world in our pension funds Mm -hmm. and we had all the votes you wanted. Mm. We got two and a half million Teamsters. You want us to vote for you? You know, it's politicians. it, It bought a lot of politicians.
2: Speaking of politics. You made a video on YouTube that went viral, very popular one, about Trump and his affiliation with,
1: you know, pretty much like the lifestyle. Could you uh, talk about that? You know, let, let me a lot of people think that Trump was mobbed up. He wasn't mobbed up. It's not mm-hmm. true. You know, Trump had to deal with the unions because any contractor in New York couldn't get anything built unless they built with dealt with the unions. Yeah. We controlled all the unions. Yeah. You had to deal with us. Now, uh, Trump was represented by Roy Cohn. Mm-hmm. And I knew Roy and Roy did represent some mob guys. He represented I think, uh, Tony Solano, tried to represent me, but I didn't hire him. So, you know, there was an affiliation there, but Trump was not controlled by the mafia. Mm-hmm. He was not a guy that we sat down with or not at all. So any rumor about that is absolutely untrue. Mm-hmm. Country.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and, and uh, because back then, because you guys controlled uh, controlled the construction, uh, yes. like all the buildings you guys see in New York City, the mafia probably had some play in those. Bu- buildings. Every one of them. Yeah. being I had to.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I had the biggest construction job for uh, apartments into uh, co-ops in all of the country at one time it was in Queens. Oh, yeah. We we uh, we had uh, thirty eight hundred conversions mm-hmm. from apartments to co-ops. And I controlled all the unions there in that job.
0: So with construction, right, because that's a th- th- typically unions are strong when the construction business, you know, whether it's, you know, erecting buildings, windows, et cetera. So w- would it be kind of similar to the restaurants where you'd be like, hey, these guys want to come in and unionize, but you just pay me this and we're not going to unionize. Same or thing.
1: You- or in this particular job, same way, the, the, uh, the, the uh, supervisor was a guy I knew. Yeah. And he brought the deal to me. He said, Michael, before the unions come in here, because they're going to come a yeah. job that big, they're going to come. Oh, he says, can you handle it for me? Absolutely. So the guy, I can name him, the uh, the builder's name was Jerry Gutterman. Mm-hmm. And I sat down with Jerry. I said, Jerry, the union's going to be all over you. He says, no doubt. Let's make a deal now. I said, you make my guy is going to be, we're going to have to bring a union in. Because if I don't bring it in, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. But same deal. You put one of my guys in each one is of the this trades. Is this
0: where the job is like paid for and planned and they're going to start building Yeah, it? yeah. Okay, this after. Yes. Okay,
1: okay. I said, you put one of my guys in. I want a shop steward. I want this, that, that, that. I said, and I'm going to charge you X amount of uh, money per apartment you pay me. I said, so that's how we'll keep it. And I'll keep the rest of the union out. I probably saved them $10 million. Yeah. I said, but aside from that, I said, all your trades, all your subcontractors, you come to me first. Mm. So you got a painter, I'll bring him in. Gotcha. You got a uh, plumber, I'll bring him in. So we were making all the work, but we still saved them a lot of money. Yeah. Because I said, Jerry, do the math. He said, no, we're in.
2: Wow. So So it's not
1: like we were shaking them down. We were helping them. So I
2: noticed they get very good offers that you can't really resist. Yeah.
1: No, no, it's powerful. That was a great line. I wish I would have came up with that. And uh, honestly, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse.
0: (laughs) Because I've always like wondered about that. Like what, like what, what incentivize them so strongly, but it's clearly, it's like you guys save them a lot of money. So it's a win-win because they don't have to unionize at the highest level where they're paying a bunch of money out. You guys are able to come in and control it. Exactly. And everybody makes money. Exactly.
1: And then I said, well, Michael, you know, if forcing you guys pushing the union, they wouldn't be here. I said, no, that's not true. That's what their job. Their job is to unionize people. Yeah. So whether we, if we weren't there, they're coming in and they'll put up picket lines and they'll do all the legitimate stuff that you do. We're, we're going to prevent that. Mm. So,
0: okay. So with the, with the unions, how much were you earning roughly a month with that back then? That, that
1: job, I earned a ton of money. I yeah. mean, it was it was a couple of million dollars. Wow. I don't remember exactly. We had a lot of money coming in. And okay. Plus, I put a lot of people to work because we had the subcontracting too on a major
0: job. Did you get paid during the job or after the job was During completed? the job. Oh, no, during. No, no. Okay. Yeah, we you're, don't you're wait. Periodically. <laughs> don't okay, wait. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then how much were you making from the, from the loan sharking roughly? per month if you remember
1: you know i, I had over a million dollars out on the street at one time oh, wow. So yeah so figure uh, one point two points you know i worked between a point and two okay you know i never i never choked anybody is you're, you're giving somebody making them pay five percent a week on a that's a lot of money yeah. you know you don't want to hurt somebody you want them to pay yeah. So I was making a lot of money. So
0: you're making one percent. And you were charging this interest on a weekly level or like a week. Monthly? No, that's a week. Oh wow. So, a week. so between Every one week. and five percent a week. Every week. Oh wow. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: 50, smart. 52 weeks a year, no days off for Christmas or anything else. Every yeah. week.
0: And and your guys and that's smart because I, I was wondering like if you were the one that actually lent the money out, but you actually had a layer of separation. So you'd give it to your guys. Yes. They would lend the money out. Yes. They'd be responsible for getting the yes. money back to you.
1: Yes. Okay. There are times when I dealt directly with the with the business guy, if I thought he was you know a high quality guy, I would deal direct, but right you know you try to insulate yourself in case one of them go bad and they want to start telling you know so you, you try of course so
0: um I think one of the and correct me if I'm wrong here, one of the most profitable schemes you had was with the gas station gasoline oh man can you can you take us through this uh how how this
1: all worked? I'll try to break it down quickly because this was a seven year operation for yeah. me. I will tell you this. You know, according to the government and everybody else, it was the biggest scheme that the mob had since the days of prohibition. Mm. And I can verify that. I mean, at you know, at the height of our operation, we're bringing in five, ten million $10 million a week, mm. a week. And it was all stolen gas tax money, defrauding government. 5 to
0: $8 million a week. A week, yeah. Because we
1: were, we were selling a half a billion gallons of gas a month, taking down 30, 40 cents a gallon, you know, whatever the market would bear. And, um, you know, again, it was a guy in the gas business. He had a small operation. Two guys from another family were shaking him down mm-hmm. for money. He ran to me. Mm-hmm. Michael, help me. You know, I want to be with you. I don't like these guys. They're, they're extorting me, whatever. So uh, make a long story short, I got made these two guys go away, and I went into business with him. And after two weeks, you know, he... So somebody that I put to watch him comes to my house mm-hmm. and puts a, uh, a box down on my kitchen table, $320,000. And that was the first week's take when we got into business with mm. tax money. Well, he got my attention and I grew that operation from that three twenty to what I described, 8 to $10 million a week. And I grabbed the Russians, came into business with me. They had a number of stations, and they were wholesalers. They couldn't get licensed. I had the licenses. Mm. And uh, it was a tremendous operation. Yeah.
0: And so how, because the way you, because uh, I've, I've read about this, so you basically would do it for a period of time. The government will catch on. But by then, it was too late, right? You guys had made your money and your...
1: I had, this may sound similar, because we heard something like this in the news recently. I don't want to get into politics, but okay. I had 18... Th- well, I really do, but I won't. <laughs> I had 18 shell companies. They were shell companies and they were licensed uh, to collect tax on every gallon of gasoline. So we would run one license on one company. I had an accounting system, second to none. So the government, we were supposed to report on a monthly basis, which we did, mm-hmm. and pay taxes on a monthly basis, which we didn't. Mm-hmm. But we were able to hold them off for 10 months to a year. Mm-hmm. After that, they would come down on us, but we would close the office, mm-hmm. shred the license and go on to the next license. Mm-hmm. That was it. So, but money, we needed you control the license. We control the license yeah. and the, the, uh, we had to open up bank accounts. So we had a bank account, each one of those company names, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause we were getting wired money, all different transactions. Yeah. So, but it was a daisy chain. Yeah, one company goes down, you just move to the next. The feds come up to the office, it's closed, nobody's there, there's no license anymore.
0: Was it coming IRS or probably Department yeah, of Revenue yeah, for New York uh, It was Department of Treasury, yeah. And okay. Yeah. IRS, they yeah. came
1: after. So, um, but we held them off for, for uh, 7 years. Yeah. <laughs> until my partner got in trouble on an unrelated case and he became a, an informant and he he wow. blew the
0: whistle. He snitched on you on that. Yeah, history. well, he yeah,
1: and he he told them what the what we were doing. I had two feds, two agents come to me maybe halfway through this. They came to my dealership. We got to talk to you. So I go outside. What do you guys want? I was always courteous to them. They said, well, you listen, Michael, we know you're in this business. We're getting we know taxes are being stolen. We don't know how you're doing it. Tell us how you're doing it. We'll give you a pass. Yeah, right. Yeah. You Myron. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My right yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah they yeah, like I was born in the morning, but not yesterday morning. Right? <laughs> so um I said, What are you talking about? I don't have a big gas business. I go to the gas station, I fill <laughs> up my car, you know. They they got so mad at me, you don't want to help us? I said, I can't help you. I always you want a car? I'll give you a car wholesale. Yeah. I said, but I can't help you with this. Yeah, And uh, they had no idea. Yeah. And so when my partner became an informant, he told them oh, everything fuck. the way we were doing. It. He's the wow. one that blew the whistle on on the whole operation. Where's he now? He's dead. No, we didn't kill him. No, he went to jail. <laughs> I can't make that a point. No, like, You didn't no, do it. No. no. Okay. He went to jail, and yeah. then he came home, and then he died.
0: So, like... Um, did you like put like more, like, how'd you guys do it? Did you guys like kind of like mess with the, get the pump itself where it would like
1: stop at a certain point? No, no, no. It had nothing to do with that. It was different back then. No, (laughs) we, we, we were buying, we were putting gas in branded stations, unbranded stations everywhere. It was just, we buy it off of mobile oil, BP shell. We were buying from all the big guys and just selling it right back to their stations. (laughs) They didn't care. Because we were buying the gas from them anyhow. Yeah. Whatever way, it ended up in their station. So okay. they didn't care.
0: I was just trying to figure out like how you guys didn't end up paying. Like, Did you guys do it with maybe dealing with the books Let's or say, was no, it the you meters own a, itself?
1: You own a gas station, right? Okay. You're yep. paying a dollar a gallon. The, the tax at that time was maybe 30 cents. Yeah. All right. You're paying a dollar a gallon because you're paying it 30 cents. So I go to you and say, hey, how much are you paying for gas? I'm paying a dollar a gallon. Mm-hmm. How would you like to pay 90 cents? Mm. 10 cents difference is a big deal for yep. a station, right? Per pump. Oh, yeah, great. Per, per gallon, sorry. Yeah, I'm going to sell you the gas. And on the receipt, it'll say all taxes included. That's all they care about. Uh, hey, I'm paying. I don't know what these guys are doing. You okay. know what I mean? So I would go. We would send my guys into a mobile station. How many uh, loads of gas you get in a week? Oh, we're getting six from mobile. Okay. Take four from mobile, take two from us. We'll sell it to you at this price. Great. We'll bring it to you in the middle of the night. Great. Before you know it, they want to buy all the gas from us. I said, you can't do that. You're a branded station. You got to at least buy something from mobile. Mm. They didn't want to buy any. And meanwhile, we were driving the prices down at the pump. You guys would have loved us now. You go to gas. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Much cheaper (laughs) just because of us. Right. So people didn't care, you know. They called us the Robin Hoods, you know. We stole from the rich and gave to the poor. Yeah, and ourselves. Good we job, man. Yeah, because you guys we took a healthy cut in the middle, you know. Yeah,
0: because you guys are basically putting the price back on the 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 savings would go back to the government go basically, back. and then the people saved the money and the government had to pay for it. exactly. Okay.
2: Yeah. We'll cover we'll some that. chats. In there. Uh,
0: yeah, we can hit some chats real quick, and then we'll talk I got about. Reacts, I, I got some Twitter. more. Yeah, uh, we're gonna go ahead and kill uh, Fed reacts, guys. Come on over to YouTube, Fresh and Fit. Come on over to YouTube, all the Fed people, um, and then also. <clears throat> Come on from Twitch and Twitter. And I'm going to read some of these chats because they're piling up. Uh, But I hope you guys are enjoying this interview, man. This is great, man. Like uh, like the video, guys. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And then also go subscribe to Mike's channel, uh, Michael Francis Francis. on YouTube. Um, And it's all the links are below. So I'll read these real quick. We got here. um, Julio Ponce goes. L. Ja Morant got suspended again for flashing gun on IG Live. That's going to cost him half uh, himself millions of dollars in the future. Yeah, very dumb. Uh, social media definitely gets people in trouble. Jim, Jim's Travis goes the crossover we needed. I read Michael's book a while back, and the story of how he met his wife really stood out to me, as it basically proves what you guys say about May selection. Can you cover that okay. real
1: quick as well? How you met your wife? Yeah, I'm filming a movie here in South Florida, Miami and Fort Lauderdale, and uh, it was my production company. We brought it was a dance movie. And we brought 20 dancers from California, L.A. to work in the film. She was one of the dancers. She's coming out of a pool one day, when back at a hotel. I saw her. It was like love at first sight, you know, (laughs) beautiful. And uh, as it turns out, she's my wife of 38 years right now. And I fell very much in love with her. And, you know, she turned my life around. It's it's all. uh, Let me tell you something. You got a good woman, you know, and she was she was a good woman then. She's a better woman now. And uh, it was as a result of my meeting her and falling in love with her that I left the life. Because, guys, look, I'll say this. I don't talk bad about the guys in that life because I was one of them. You know, I just happened to be very fortunate. And I had a lot of friends in that life. You know, I didn't leave the life because I was mad at anybody. I left the life because I called a mob life an evil lifestyle. Not the guys, but the lifestyle because I don't know any family of any member of that life that hasn't been totally devastated, Mm. including my own, not my wife and kids, mother, brothers and sisters. I had a kid sister died of an overdose of drugs. My brother was a drug addict 25 years. Is why I hate drugs. Can't tell you what he put us through. My mom, you know, 33 years without her husband. Yeah. When she died in 2012, her relationship with my dad was horrible, was ugly. My dad, 40 years in prison, a mess, a mess. So... And every family is like that in some way, shape or form. So I said, I I just fell in love with this girl. She's 20 years old, 21. Am I going to marry her? And this is going to be her life too? If I ever get out of prison, you know, no way. So as a result of that, I tried to make the break from that life. She was my motivation. And then, you know, a long story after that, but, uh, you know, I became a person of faith. She's a strong Christian woman. and, And as a result of that, I'm here today. If it wasn't for her, I'm dead or in prison the rest of my life. Wow.
0: Wow. Okay. Without a doubt, That's inspiring. Awesome. Uh, what what do we got here? Okay, uh, Diego goes, hey, Myron, I've heard this before on your show, but I never really understood what you meant. But you said don't keep money in a bank account, uh, but invest it. Would I put all of my money on like stock account, or where would I keep it? Watch one of our Money Mondays, man. Uh, And we Mm -hmm. talk about where to invest it. But I'm big into real estate, as you guys know. That's why I keep saying bookkeeping, because I'm in the process of figuring (laughs) one out right now. Uh, And then uh, Darrell Wade goes, uh, Mr. Michael Francis, what are your thoughts on the former mayor, uh, Rudy Giuliani? And are you and Sammy the bull friends?
1: Uh, Giuliani, I hadn't seen him. He tried to put me away for 100 years. He told me in a courtroom when he when he uh, tried me, he said, if I convict you, you're going to get double what your father got 100 years. Mm. Fortunately, I beat the case or I would be in jail for a long time uh and 30 years later he and i were on a radio show together oh wow. really not only that this book my book mafia democracy when when my publisher heard him on the radio show he said you think rudy will read the forward i mean write the forward because we got along really good he said michael i've been watching you for 30 years i really think you're reformed i'm proud of what you did i'm glad i didn't put you in jail i said well thank you that's awesome <laughs> but uh i said listen i don't know if he's going to write the forward but hey i'll take a shot so i go to him and he wrote the forward. Well, That's awesome. book. Unbelievable, right? Just shows you how life turns around. That's great. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, for, as far as I'm concerned, he's fine. And Sammy the Bull, we're friends now. Mm-hmm. You know, Sammy's, you know, a little bit different, but I respect what he's doing now. I like his family very much. And, you know, we got a, a little thing going together. He just did something that we did. He put it on one of his... Uh, one of his platforms. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I'd rather be friends with everybody, Myron, than enemies with anybody. Yeah. What is it, Past? So yeah. You know, our past is our past.
0: Yeah. And go go get that book, guys, because Rudy Giuliani, for those of you guys that don't know, <laughs> he, he basically he led the, you know, the, the charge. attack on the mafia back then. We used the Rico laws, right? That were created in the seventies and he really went hard in the eighties on the on the mafia. So that's really interesting that he wrote your four. That's Amazing. crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked that he um, did it. Speaking of And he of which- and a
1: great forward, I gotta tell you, great forward. I was shocked.
0: Uh, that's wild. Um, speaking of which, um, when your father was sentenced, what did he, he told the judge something uh, in court.
1: Judge says, Mr. Francis, you got anything you want to say to the court? Yeah. You know, he just gets sentenced for 50 years. My father looks at him and says, yes, your honor. I'm going to fool you and everybody in this courtroom. I'm going to do the whole 50. Bam. And you know what? When he was released, he did the whole 50 with good time. He did 40, but with good time, that's the whole 50. Write down. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what do we got here? Uh, we got uh, Angelic. Oh, shout out to Angie. Myron, don't forget my questions, please. Okay, I got you, Angie. Uh, we got Everett Overton uh, in the house as well. Uh, he goes, Uh, get, get Michael stake on me. me. Great guest. Yeah, no, I, I've been excited for this. Thing. <laughs> here, yo, yo, uh, and then, wh- when do we, what else do we got here? Uh, and then various layers goes, I appreciate you, Fresh and Myron, always bringing value to everyone. Keep up the great work and have a great day. Get into the CEO network, as always. Big bossing. I appreciate that. Thanks, bro. Friends uh and then uh, boys a real wise guy on the pod yo fnf is on another level ps chris is still a bum but he's a bum okay he's out <laughs> bum All right, fair, fantastic i think he meant to say hour never be a failure i want to be top one 1.01 percent of men if possible i'm 25 bio major working nine to five hits the gym six foot tall i plan to go to med school be a doc what else to do hey man that's going to keep your hands full right there so just focus on, on the right that. path bro um so okay uh you had a jet
1: I had a jet I had a Learjet a 25A and I had a Bell helicopter. Can you tell us
0: about that man? Like having a jet
1: like It was cool. I mean, especially <laughs> I used it mostly to come down here. So it was great. <laughs> I, and and I I didn't have to pay for uh, any of the uh, airports cuz I was selling them jet fuel everywhere here in for i was indicted here in florida too Mm -hmm. out of case here too on the gas business but uh i want i want to say something now i want all your your listeners to understand i'm not in that life anymore because of this young lady i've been able to you know transform my life and for the past 25 years i've been doing my best to give back you know i speak to a lot of youth i go into detention centers i give my testimony you know all over the world basically and uh, I recently created a platform called Mob Ties. Yeah. and you can go on MobTiesVIP.com. Link is below, guys. Yeah, please go on and look at it. And uh, what we're doing here, we uh, we have put together a team of people to help people in their personal development and their business life. And we created a community of people, and it's really caught on. I mean, people are the the uh, the response that we're getting from people that we've been able to help is great. And so please go on that mob We got a little gift for you. If you jump on and uh, we also have a, uh, uh, something that we just did that you can go and view and it'll tell you about the whole program. Nice. The other thing I want to mention with uh, Mike Tyson, I was filming with him the past two days. I'm not going to tell you what we got in store, but it's a big announcement that'll be happening soon. However, July 22nd, right here at the James L Knight theater, Mike, myself, and probably Chaz Palminteri will be appearing on stage July 22nd. Tickets go on sale. Advanced tickets May 24th next week. And uh, I want to invite you guys to the event. I hope you come. It's right here in your backyard. And we're very excited. Everything I'm doing right now, guys, is really to try to give back, you know, because I do believe I've been extremely blessed, very, very fortunate to those who have been given much, much is expected in return. And we're trying to do our part. My whole family, you know, my wife is extremely supportive of that. Without her, I don't know how I'd even be getting by. My daughter is here; she's my assistant. She works with me, and uh, and they keep me straight. To be honest, with you, you gotta, gotta have somebody to keep you straight. Yeah, and uh, I'm very accountable to them. And that's it. So just very excited. Um, That's awesome.
0: Quick question for you. So um, you do a lot of outreach with helping people uh, with gambling problems and stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because you do a lot of speaking with? Well, yeah,
1: I I was recruited by all the pro leagues, Major League Baseball, the NBA, NFL, and uh, and then all the universities, Mm -hmm. the NCAA. I've spoken at over 300 universities throughout my time and all the players in those leagues. And it was basically not only about gambling but about relationships that they keep how Hmm. important it is to have the right relationships be accountable to right people and keep those that are not doing you any good away from you so we talk about that a lot it's been a great program i've been doing it for over 20 years and uh recently now i've been getting a lot more calls from colleges i'm going to a whole bunch uh alabama and a few others Because they need a refresher course all the time because gambling is everybody's access to gambling now. Mm -hmm. I told these leagues, I said, look, Michael, do you believe in legalized gambling? I said, look, I'm not going to say that, but I'm going to tell you that the more access these people have, the worse it's going to get. They have access. They don't have to go to a bookmaker now They go online. Yeah. Yeah. I tell them you jump in your birthday suit, get online and you're gambling (laughs) your life away. Yeah. Stop. It's no good. But, uh, you know, I, I hit them right between the eyes with it. And I let them know what trouble they're going to have. And it's been a very effective program. Oh, that's so awesome, we're excited
0: man. about that. That's awesome. Um, um, yeah, I'll read these last chats because yeah, yeah. he's got to head out. Okay. Yeah. Um, Danny Arizari, Michael, do you have any Nikki Scarfo stories? Also, I'm currently writing a screenplay about him. And Phil, do you think their story is movie worthy? Unfortunately, Pesci a bit too old to play Scarfo.
1: Yes. You know, a lot of people have a lot of things to say about Nicky Scarfall. I happen to like him very much. I met him. He and I were going to unionize the uh, bartenders and waitresses in uh, Atlantic City. We had a deal going together and then Nicky had trouble and I had trouble. We didn't put it together, but I got along very well with him. Yes. I think his story is worthy of a movie. Awesome. Absolutely.
0: I got to ask you this. Um, John Gotti, what was it like working with him, being in the life with him?
1: You know, uh, he was a tough business guy. He didn't really understand business. And you know, John had a muscle guy. I'm not saying anything out of, out of turn. He, uh, he had a big ego, you know, he's got a great family, by the way, wonderful, wonderful people, but he had a big ego. So he was very difficult to deal with business-wise socially, a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You go out with John, you're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to have a blast. So Mm -hmm. I knew him that way, you know, and, and look, I want to dispel this image. Everybody said John Gotti took the mob down. John Gotti did not take the mob down. He was a guy, maybe he was a little bit too out there. No question about it. He brought a little bit extra heat just like Joe Colombo did in some of those guys, yeah. but he did not bring the mob down. Myron, you know, Rico act brought the mob yeah. down yeah. bail reform act, sentencing reform act, Rico. That's what killed our life. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but I like John, you mm-hmm. know, I'd be honest with you. I liked him. And look, You got to you got to at least give him credit. He was he stood up for that life and he wasn't going to change, period. And my dad, my dad, the same way. Yeah, that was it. You know, right or wrong. He had a principle. He stood by it. I'm not saying it was good or bad, but you got to give him credit for that.
0: And there was like a little dispute you guys had about him saying, I'm going to buy you out. No, I'll buy you out.
1: Yeah. in a flea market that we had. Yeah. I had to strategize when I went in to meet him because I knew he would never go out of there a loser. So yeah. I had to make him understand, Oh, you won, John, buy me out. You know? But first I told him I'm buying you out. No, you don't buy me out. I buy you out. Okay. Buy me out.
2: Speaking of buying Your out, here's sure. my last question for you, uh, Michael. So who is the biggest family or I want to say a mob in the world? Well, you mean mafia
1: or in just- In general. In general. Well, listen, you got to give it to the drug cartels now. I mean, they practically control the country, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. So if you had, a, if you had a compared it to compare the two, I would say the mafia in Italy and the drug cartels in Mexico and, and South America, they're huge. I yeah. mean, they, they got their own armies yeah. in, in Mexico. I mean, you got to give them credit. Because I thought
2: it was them, them boys. Uh, Who? Them boys.
1: Fresh. I don't know about them, but <laughs> you don't want to <laughs> mess with the contents. Don't worry about it. This guy, <laughs> okay. <laughs> man.
0: Uh, okay, Any, anything else, Mo? Yeah. Uh, okay, and I'll read this last one here. Mike, would you consider a podcast or sit down with Joey Diaz, great comedian and a friend of Joe Rogan? Would be great to see two old NY guys get together who used to be in that life. Shout out to F P.S. Chris the Big Mo, yes sir,
1: yes
2: sir, I, but no
0: EOMO.
1: I like Joey Diaz. Yeah, I would definitely do a sit down with him. And as far as Rogan, I got a little bone to pick with him. He did about a ten minute deal on me, mm-hmm. but he never called me to come on the show. I don't know if he likes mob guys or not, but he spoke well about me. Okay. He really did. Yeah, I got the the clip. Gotta make that happen, man. Yeah, huh? you gotta know they happen? Gotta,
0: yeah, they got it. No, I mean, you are gonna get go on too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. you gotta go on there, man. I mean, well, yeah.
1: I I I have a way. I may fool him. He may see me whether he likes it or not. Now, I don't mean that as a threat, Joe. That's <laughs> (laughs) that's a good thing no he your rogan is great i mean i love what he has to say he's very straightforward very honest and i agree with a lot of what he says. yeah definitely an inspiration for us as well i mean
0: and you were one of the you al capone uh john Gotti. you guys were some of the highest earners uh, you were ranked, what, in the top 20 of earners in, yeah. in Mafia history, right?
1: That's, well, they said I was the biggest since Al Capone. I yeah. don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they said. We'll
0: take it. I mean, $8 million a week. I, yeah. I believe it, man. We'll take it, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Uh, last one. And then last one here. DL saying, I really want to know a podcast. Outstanding show, gentlemen. Brother Michael, how important is loyalty between men? How did you deal with this loyalty then? And how should you deal with disloyal men today? Keep leading from the front. Good one.
1: Loyalty is everything. Unfortunately, there was a lot of disloyalty in that life. That's what helped destroy it. A lot of yeah. guys became informants and, uh, you know, it weakened the life terribly. Loyalty is everything in life. You know, if you have a commitment, you, you got to do your best to keep it. Sometimes you slip and fall, but you bring it back, you know, because we we'll still live in the real world, uh, but very, very important. And guys that were disloyal in that life, they either joined the government and went into witness protection program and survived, though they got killed. And that's yeah. the bottom line. Got it.
0: So, Mike, we'll give you the last word, man. Anything you want to tell the people before we close out?
1: No, just I enjoyed it. You know, bring me back again. I have an excuse, a good excuse to come back to Florida, which (laughs) I love. I'll be coming down here a lot.
0: Good, good, good. Uh,
1: But please, Mob Ties, you know, we look forward. Look, it's our way of giving back. It's a great community. Uh, We got a gift for you. You're going to get the unwritten rules of the mob and of Mob Ties, Mm. something that I think everybody should follow. And we have a video there that will explain all about the program that we have. A lot of top people are jumping on. I mean it. As a matter of fact, we might get you involved, Myron, because you're into real estate. Yeah, yeah. And we want to help people, you know, earn. Yeah. You know, a lot of people in different industries they're not aware of, we give them information and uh, and schooling and, and education and knowledge and they can and better themselves. That'd so be great. That, yeah. Yeah. I'd love you to jump on, both of you. You into real estate too? Um, more into cars. Of <laughs> uh, Cars we can share a lot with. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that and July 22nd, the tickets go on sale May 24th, next week, Advanced Sales. Me, Mike Tyson, and Chaz Palminteri. How could you get a lineup like that? We were all together today. It was a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. It's going to be a
1: special night right here, James L. Knight Theater, and uh, we're looking forward to it, and that's it. Let's go. Hey,
0: man. Uh, Mike, it was great having you. Uh, We definitely will do a part two because I know we're tight on time this time, but we'll definitely do a part two and have another discussion. I think the people really enjoyed it. Yes. But, yeah, guys, all those links are below. Go check out Ties, and we'll catch you guys back here with some lovely ladies probably in about an hour or so. So peace peace thank I run I run so far away